Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stolen Droids Podcast. I'm Zoner. I'm Zook. And uh, it's been an odd week for us. I've been out of town for most of the week. Which is generally what I do. Right. So it's like Freaky Friday here where we've just kind of traded places and I really have no clue what's been going on this last week. But it is Friday the 13th, so Freaky Friday is apropos. Right. That's a fun word. Look at us using big fancy words and all sorts of fun stuff. Indeed. Um, Hey, shout out to our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, stitcher.com, Radio KSCR, and Geek Factor Radio. And from all of our uh, associate producers, as they were, over at Patreon. Uh, for more information, you can go to patreon.com slash stolen droids. But big shout out to Zane, Bruce, and Tim uh, for all their help. I'm not sure I was supposed to say his name. I just yeah. realized that. Yeah. You just you just, you just, just doxed one of our listeners. Yeah, well, I'm sure he was a white supremacist or something. No, no I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Ruff. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. He's an Australian supremacist. He think I'm So he's saying. pro he's pro crime. What? Well, aren't isn't everyone from Australia a, pr- a criminal? So You know, interesting story and I'm going to sound like an idiot here, but I didn't realize this in my world history. You know how we make a big deal about uh how Australia was just founded as a penal colony? Uh-huh. That that they needed some place to put all their all their prisoners. Do you know why? Uh-huh. I don't. Because they had to stop br- taking them here. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's I, awesome. I read that fact. I'm like, no, that that can't be right. And I looked at the timetable for it and read up on the history. No, that's that's totally right. Actually, <laughs> I I think that's kind of funny. That time when you realized that the American Revolution happened before the founding of Australia. Makes sense. Right. It's Learn been... something new every day. And now on our new history podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Thanks for sharing, Zook. I did not know that. What the internet taught me about history. Yes. That's awesome. Um, It's been a week. And I feel like I should have just stayed gone for all of it. I was at uh, an IT and tech conference Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday down in uh, down in... Austin, where I, as a Utah walking around in a t-shirt was perfectly normal, and all the Texans around me were looking at me like I was crazy because, gasp, it was like 67 degrees. How did you not die of hypothermia down there? Right? They're like, what are you doing? It's freezing. Like, did you not notice that you picked me up? This is the taxi driver. Like, did you not notice you picked me up at a hotel? I'm obviously not from around here. It's not cold. It's Texas cold. Yeah. I you know, I always laugh at people when when their cold is not actual like real cold. But then I remember when I lived elsewhere or when I've been elsewhere and I changed, you know, time zones or whatever for for travel. The weather may or may not be colder there, and if I'm acclimatized to 100 degrees, all of a sudden 70 degrees is a bit chilly. I'll tell you what's bad is trying to get used to humidity. I don't know how people live down there. 
Humidity is the worst. It really I, is. You know, I was I was in Orlando recently. I've got to go back in a few weeks. And I am not looking forward to the humidity just because it's sticky and awful and you can't breathe. And I'm a desert guy. I grew up in the desert. A lot of people forget that Utah is the desert. But we're dry here. Mm-hmm. So super dry. So true get, story. Uh, here's it. when when Zana and I worked together. Um, this is before I was your boss. Before I was over on your team, uh, I went out back east to Richmond, Virginia, with a few coworkers to uh, get ready for a new client. And we were out there for like two weeks in August. Oh, that's not fun. And it was like one of my first real big business trips, right? I'm so excited about it. I'm a big boy now. I have a corporate card. I have my carry-on luggage. I was able to get everything into a single backpack and a single carry-on. I'm awesome. Well, I did it because I packed one shirt for each day and then planned on using the hotel's laundry service to wash all that. So I really only needed one week's worth of clothes, not realizing that A, Richmond is a swamp, and B, August is also known as hell time in that area. <laughs> it is the swamp days of August. Come day two, my coworkers and I were hitting up a clothing store just to buy more clothes because we couldn't stay in the clothes we were in all day. By by midday, we were sweating through everything. It was horrible. So, Did you use your corporate card for it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I've never done that on a business trip when I need clothes or something. I always just do mine. You know, I, I pay for it with my money because I'm buying clothes for me. So, well, if it makes you feel any better, technically, I didn't have a corporate card then. It was all put under the um the floor manager's card, if you remember him. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I felt less bad about it. Yeah, I, I would feel less bad about that as well. All right. Um, so anyway, yeah, I've been gone most of this week and I come back to evidently madness is happening. There's a lot that's happened this week. You look at our show notes and, um, they are plentiful. And there, there is one story from last week that's a holdover that I wanted to get to, but I, with all that's going on, I don't know. Maybe we won't. Yeah. It could be a deep discussion. Let's get right into it, shall we? Um I I did hear about this while I was gone. So evidently, according to sources who have yet remained unnamed and that's okay. Uh they are reputable according to Reuters, Reuters. Reuters? Reuters. Reuters. We always have this discussion. I, I was going to say this sounds very familiar to me cuz we've discussed this before. It just looks wrong reading it. Um, Kaspersky Labs, who we have previously defended as one of the best security and antivirus labs in the world, deliberately changed their antivirus system to allow Russian intelligence agencies to use it as a backdoor into other systems. So I think we take back our support for them. I, I think we can rescind that. If this, if this is true, and we have no reason to believe it's not. That makes me angry. Yeah. That makes me really angry for a number of reasons. And and not just because 
I trusted Kaspersky. But if you remember, over the past few months, we've talked about varying headlines about how Congress and the military and U.S. intelligence agencies have wanted to get rid of Kaspersky out of all government computers. And we've because been, Russia. Because Russia. And we've been kind of slapping back at them saying, oh, my gosh, you guys are knee-jerking this. This is ridiculous. They have a proven track record. Well, guess what? It turns out there was something we didn't know. But, Which is, I mean, the stuff we don't know could feel like libraries. There's, sure. there's volumes of what we don't know. But that suggests they did know. Yes. And if that's the case, how come that information wasn't released sooner? Yes, because now anybody who's running Kaspersky antivirus on their home PC could be at risk. Not that you haven't already been exposed by Equifax or Yahoo or... Or Target, Home Depot, Holiday Inn. Yeah. Hyatt now. Blue Cross. I I got a notice, speaking of Anthem and their hack, I was was affected by that, uh, of course. And my wife was. And at the time, we got notified that our, our information had been compromised. And they said, as of right now, you know, we have no reason to believe that anyone else in your family was compromised. I got a card this week for two of my children saying, oh, by the way, their data was stolen too. One of them is my seven-year-old. He was five at the time. Yeah. Crazy stuff. And two years later, they're now just getting around to telling me, oh, by the way, that really kind of irritates me. Oh, but, but they're going to give they're going to give my kids free credit monitoring for a year. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. That, that's great. The thing that really upsets me is, remember last week, I think it was, we talked about a contractor who took home information and put it onto a computer that had Kaspersky on it? Uh-huh. Now, that happened a while ago, and they were just talking about it finally last week. Yeah. But still, if this is information they've had for a while, couldn't they have prevented that? I mean, let's ignore the fact that they have a contractor who stole government information and took it home. But if Kaspersky has been this threat for quite a while, and according to other sources, is Israel intelligence and yeah, Israeli intelligence, excuse me, had warned us a long time ago that Kaspersky was stealing information for the Russians and they had proof. We we could have been past this. We could have. It it seems unnecessary. It it feels like we were kept in the dark for no particular reason. I'm sure there was a reason that they kept us in the dark. They're just not going to tell us what it is. And I don't appreciate it. No, I don't either. I get my data compromised enough. I don't need the government enabling the Russians into my computer. Right. I, I really don't need that. And people wonder why there's no trust and confidence in the U.S. government anymore. Well, government officials wonder why there's no confidence in the government. Right. Most most people understand why there's no no confidence. Well, let's keep up with Russia here real fast. We're going to jump down um, quite a ways, actually, uh, down to Facebook. Okay. I, I don't know if you see it. It's like the third one from the bottom. We just added it in there. So Facebook and Twitter have been working with Congress to determine the scope of Russian misinformation 
and social influence exerted during the 2016 elections, right? Yes. They announced that uh, they figure about, what is it, 10 million? Where is that number? Yeah, 10 million people yeah, 10 had, million people read, had read, read Russian ads. bot ads and misinformation campaigns. And a social media analyst and researcher um, published research saying, uh, no, it had to be at least double that, maybe more. You know, though, I think it's interesting whenever a computer company or a tech company comes out with some bad information, you can generally be fairly safe to assume that it's at least double what they're telling us. Right. Well, in response to that, suddenly that researcher, Jonathan Albright, got a, a call from Facebook saying that they'd like to chat. And he was very happy to chat with them. And sure, yeah, let's discuss this. And here's how Did I came they to use this. Messenger. <laughs> <laughs> They played some pool with them or some uh, some bowling. Space invaders. They sent him some pushing stickers. Um, he noticed that after talking with them, he couldn't replicate his results. And it's because they had deleted all the information. Really? Now, according to them, they didn't delete it. Of course they didn't. Of course not. It was an error. It was it was a bug. It was a bug. Yes. See, according to them, he wasn't ever supposed to see that information anyway. That information had all been taken down and was being kept in like archive in storage so for all their investigations. And a particular tool, an analytics tool that he was using, which I know because my day job people use it all the time. Evidently, that tool was able to see the information even after it had been taken down. And so they simply, quote unquote, fixed the bug. So suddenly no one can see it again. So let me ask you this. Didn't Congress call Facebook and Twitter and, and these other social media companies in to testify about what they knew regarding Russian involvement in, a, in the election? And ask for evidence of Russians purchasing, advertising, and whatnot. Is Facebook deleting this going to cause them some legal ramifications there? Because I really hope it does. <laughs> I really hope it does. I hope yeah. it screws them hard. So, Albright had scoured through about 470 pages of interactions and he had only made it through six of them six pages out of 470 so it's not like he was even more than a couple uh, like a percent and a half of the way yeah. through it and in those six pages he found content that had been shared 340 million times wow I think it's interesting. You look at these six pages, Blacktivists, United Muslims of America, Being Patriotic, Heart of Texas, Secured Borders, and LGBT United. Those sound like pages that are specifically targeted to specific groups in this country. You think? <laughs> you think? I think they knew what they were doing. And all they had to do, and here's what really annoys me, is that... 
I know people, you know people, we all know people. We all have that racist aunt or that uncle who just gets his information by browsing Facebook for 15 seconds while he's on the toilet. And that's everything that he reads is gospel. And all he needs to know is, hey, the patriots at heart of Texas were saying this about Trump. Meanwhile, this other page talking about blacktivism was talking about how they were going to kill all the whites. Well, that just means that there is a real problem and we need to vote him in. Yep. Can I can I just tell you you just said the word blacktivism? That just sounds like a cool word. <laughs> I like that word. I think it sounds cool. Blacktivism? Blacktivism. I've never heard that word before. I don't know if you just made it up, but that's a cool sounding word. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um I don't think I did. Okay. Well, carry on. Here's what annoys me, okay? You have slacktivism, you have blacktivism. I'm Asian. What am I supposed to have? Slantivism? <laughs> that, that just makes it sound worse. Oh, yeah, true. True. Like, how come there's no tivism for me? That seems racist. Asian tivism? <laughs> No, yeah, that I, just sounds like a math group. I, like I, math I was club. just, I was just thinking that sounds like something that you would do in math. Yeah, We're mathletes. You are that. That's what you. That that's what your thing is. You're just you're just math people. This is my uh, what is it? Uh, Mathematic uh, decathlon team, Asian division. <laughs> Slash nineties R and B group. So, uh, getting back to this Facebook thing, sorry, I didn't mean to derail us there so badly. Maybe just a little bit, but not so bad. What what does this mean? I mean, if Facebook's going in and trying to cover cover their tracks, really, are, are they even def- at fault here? They took money from people who wanted to run ads. That's what they do. Right. I, I don't see where any laws were broken. I mean... In hindsight, they probably shouldn't have, but at the time, they had no reason to suspect anything. Well, it's not just them either. So it turns out that Twitter also started deleting posts, citing their own privacy rules that by to protect customer information and user data that they went and deleted and blocked a whole bunch of these posts that are specifically what Congress are asking about right now. Yeah. And I don't understand why they would do that. Well, It, it, it makes them look, it makes them look guilty of something. Well, it ties nicely into the next, um, headline here. So over this last week, if you haven't been living, if you've been living under a rock, uh, Harvey Weinstein, who evidently is some guy in Hollywood that we're all supposed to know about, but people, He's some producer, but people in Hollywood know a lot about, it has come to light that he's basically just scum. And it has renewed calls about all the other scumbags in Hollywood and in other industries that use social, uh, sorry, sexual predatory techniques to get kind of what they want, holding people's careers at ransom. And I think I'm being kind with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rose well, McGowan. Well, you're trying to keep it, trying to keep it family friendly. Yeah. Rose McGowan, an actress, producer, um, figure has took to Twitter as well. Um, 
as is her right, talking about her experiences with it, as is her right, talking about how many people knew about it, as is her right. And shortly afterwards, her account was suspended on Twitter. Which got the women of Hollywood all up in a... Understandably so. When you consider that other, like, okay... Not to turn this into a political rant, but I think it's safe to say, like, I don't think I'm going to get a lot of pushback here, that Twitter is pretty much the cesspool of the Internet. Um, It's not the worst of the cesspools, but it's certainly on a level. It's the shallow end of the cesspool. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's the shallow end. I like that. We'll go with that. That male mis- that the misogynistic freaks that white supremacists that trolls and hate mongers can get away with saying pretty much anything they want because twitter twitter's privacy policies really just exist to cover their own a yeah that that's what they are meanwhile people who probably don't deserve it get banned uh, we've talked with Larry about shadow banning that Twitter has done with him. Larry Korea. Yeah, Larry Korea. Meanwhile, the president can say anything he wants on Twitter because, quote, it's interesting to the public discourse and so we must preserve it. In reality, Twitter loves it because it just – it makes people use the platform. It, yeah, it draws attention to themselves. Now – we should note, Twitter came out and said that Rose McGowan was suspended because one of her tweets contained somebody's phone number in it. Right. Which, okay, sure. That's against the terms of service. Thank you for that. But it actually shines a light on a bigger issue with Twitter right now. See, if, um, let's say there is a horrible, horrible troll, right? On Twitter, I know, hard to imagine such a thing, who is guilty of sexually harassing women all over Twitter. I know. That's impossible. Right? It's very hard to even even fathom such a thing. And Twitter does not do anything. Well, why didn't they? Well, they will hide behind a privacy policy saying we cannot discuss uh, the details of any specific account or action taken against that account uh, for privacy reasons. They hide behind that. Basically allowing that kind of action, that kind of activities to continue. Yeah. And then this happens with Rose McGowan. And suddenly they break their own policy to come out and say why they did it thereby still putting them in the clear like yeah it's it's frustrating because did she have the right to post someone's personal information no okay and i don't think anyone's arguing that either did it come at precisely the wrong time for twitter oh yeah but it's frustrating because twitter's only policies are really only to protect itself and they're perfectly willing to break those own policies just to protect themselves. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too because uh their CEO Jack Dorsey, is that his name? I think so, he, yeah. He Which sounds out- like a mystery novel hero. It really does. He's he's like some uh, like some film noir detective. Like he's in a Richard Castle novel. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But he came out uh earlier today and took to Twitter to be quote more aggressive in its rules and how they enforce them. 
And it, this was a response to the hashtag women boycott Twitter protest. And he said, you know, I, I think this is a very interesting tweet he sent out. He said, we see voices being silenced on Twitter every day. We've been working to counteract this for the past two years. I find that very interesting because they've been doing a lot of the silencing of the voices, what with the shadow banning and things like that. Right. And not just women, just people in general. Yeah, it's it's yeah if if they don't like what you're saying they will shadow ban you or you know straight up just block you we should explain because longtime listeners will we've talked about this before but if you're not familiar with the term shadow ban it's where your account like zoner's account isn't specifically banned it isn't blocked it isn't suspended nothing's really wrong with it but for some reason when he tweets Tweets never show up. Nobody sees them. Nobody sees them. It's really weird. And, oh, sorry, technical difficulties. But they're only affecting your account and only for a very specific amount of time. And that isn't paranoia. Twitter has done that to many people that they don't agree with. They do. A a lot of conservative voices seem to get shadow banned. Right. Um, Now, look, anyone who listens to the show knows that I'm not a conservative, but I even have to admit, yeah, they totally do that. It's it's super frustrating. And I, I would really I would personally this is my own opinion and no one has to listen to it. But I think the women boycott Twitter movement is far too limited in scope. I think we all just need to. I do not disagree. You know, there are certain things I like about Twitter. But I find that I just do not enjoy the platform. However, I enjoy it more than I enjoy Facebook. You're not wrong there. I I will say it's better than Facebook, but not much. I remember when everyone was just a member of a news group or a forum. Oh, yeah. That was was nice days back then. Those were the days. They were. Now, I think it's interesting, though... uh, Jack Dorsey also says these changes will start rolling out in the next few weeks. He sent out a tweet storm with like eight different tweets in it. He's like the backup guy in 24. That's what his name is. (laughs) That's totally what it is. He's the B team. While we see Kiefer Sutherland like running around doing all this stuff, Jack Dorsey is running down the other leads. Yes. Yeah. He, he's the guy that's, that's checking out the, the restroom in the mall. The lead that didn't pan out. Uh, exactly, exactly. And immediately, the very first response to this was, follow your own terms of service and ban real Donald Trump. So, again, people are calling him out. There's, they're seeing a lot of hypocrisy from Twitter. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of hypocrisy. And I think this kind of, this actually leads us into our a headline that was from last week that we can slide into. Um but who is it that determines what is and is not offensive? Because what's offensive to somebody is not offensive to somebody else. I saw a story on the local news earlier tonight, and Hamilton is coming to Salt Lake City next year, uh, the musical, the the hit Broadway musical. I'm so excited. They've got a deal where high school students who wouldn't be able to see it otherwise can go see it for 10 bucks through the school district. And one of the ladies on the school board was saying, no, this isn't right. This is offensive. There's there's language that I don't approve of. And I don't approve of how they're glorifying 
you know, certain political views. And, you know, that's offensive to her. So she's trying to shut everybody down. However, you know, it wasn't offensive to the majority. And so it passed. But who gets to be God in this? You know, who gets to decide this is not allowed? This is allowed. This is this is a very dangerous area that we're treading here. Yeah. Well, and and it just goes back to the thought police conversation we've had on this show since almost the beginning. Yeah. And, you know, Twitter, they can do what they want. They could be hypocritical. They can shadow ban people that they don't agree with, whatever. They're a private company. They can do that. It's their prerogative. But now we've got a story in uh, Germany where they have enacted a law that limits online hate speech. And if a company does not comply and pull off offensive content within 24 hours, they can face a $58 million fine. That's a lot. Who decides what's offensive? And this is the government enacting it. And so, you know, we we go from private entities saying, okay, we don't like this. This is how we're going to operate to the government saying, this is offensive. This is not offensive. We are the thought police. I think, well, that's a little unfair. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but also Germany is a very different culture. You True. have to remember if, if, if we, if Germany was like us, there'd be a big portion of its population wanting to know what's the big problem with the giant statue of Adolf Hitler. It's part of our history. Why can't we cherish our history? Because if you didn't know, in Germany, it is actually illegal. It's against federal law to have any Nazi paraphernalia, anything that references the Third Reich or the Nazi Party. It's not that they are pretending it didn't happen. They've just wiped it from the face of the earth. They never want it again. So they – I don't want to say they're necessarily more sensitive to it. But it's the same idea. We talked about this in years past where they don't allow anything, any kind of database, any kind of public um, data gathering that registers people because it worked so horribly against them during the Third Reich. Uh-huh. Okay. You know, and, and different things like that. It's a different culture. So I get what you're saying and you're not wrong. But for them, they are very willing to have an entire committee or an entire board of people whose sole job it is to scour through all complaints that are submitted on social media to make sure that that doesn't ever happen again. Yeah. And, you know, I think. And we in the U.S. are very different. As far as we're concerned, it's our God-given right to allow all the atrocities of our history to happen again. Well, you know, the thing is, we we have freedom of speech here in this country where the sure. government cannot limit it. Individuals can shut you down. And they're perfectly entitled to, like Twitter. And individual companies, yes, like yes, Twitter. And yes, and individual companies. But the government cannot, you cannot face repercussions for that within certain boundaries. But... It's not a far stretch to see Germany doing this. Unless you're a football player. <laughs> it's not a far stretch to see Germany doing this and seeing the U.S. politicians saying, well, Germany's doing it. We need to do it as well. And then we're all in a whole big world of hurt. 
That will never happen. Not in today's political climate. Give it, give it, uh, 12 years and maybe we'll revisit the, revisit this discussion. You know, though, I think that it is happening to some extent. It's not at a government level. I disagree at a government level. At a corporate level, maybe. It's definitely happening at a, at a individual and at a corporate level. And I, we're starting to see it in the government a little bit, I think. Yeah. All right. Um, let's move into everyone's favorite subject. How have you been screwed by Equifax today? Oh, jeez. I wish this I had should... some kind of like really upbeat jingle to play for this segment. We need to find something because, or what we need is like some, some, uh, cartoon score from like some Disney propaganda in World War II. Just like the ominous, you know, that's what we need. Kind of like the loose lips sink ships kind of videos. Yeah. That, yeah. But yeah, Equifax every week, I think, okay, well, it can't get worse yet. I would point out that some of those videos, even though they're made by Disney, included verbiage like slap a jap. So maybe those aren't the best videos (laughs) to. Are are you feeling a little bit threatened because of your heritage? Zoom? I hate that term, FYI. <laughs> if anyone wants to know the one single racial thing I do not like, it's that term. Anyway. <laughs> you crack me up, dude. Okay, let's talk Equifax. Um, so we know they suck. We know they're horrible people. We know that they do everything wrong. Um, oh, hey, uh, they were hacked again. They were. Their website was hacked. And on the website, many people who were visiting, probably to see, hey, have I been screwed over by this credit bureau, suddenly got a pop-up saying that they had to install um, a new Flash client to view the content. That Flash client was, of course, malicious. It was a malware uh, installer. And if you clicked on it and you installed it, you were kind of screwed again. Not Equifax's fault, of course. It was from a third-party ad affiliate. Not their fault. Cannot blame them. Yeah, they say that the errant flash downloader came from one of its vendors' code, which, you know, it happens. What vendors are ha- are are they loading? It's not like they have Google AdWords on the side. That's what I'm wondering. What vendors do they have that are pushing out malware to their customers? Now, if anyone needs to know here, occasionally it will happen. Um, if you have a website that you visit that suddenly Chrome throws up a flag on, it's typically because that website has a flash banner. Not a flash banner, I'm sorry, an ad banner, right? They pay a service to run ads on their website, and if you click on those ads, that website gets a bit of a kickback. Nothing new, okay? It's 2017. The Internet's been around for a long time. We're all familiar with it. Well, the problem is, is that occasionally, if you don't go through a reputable ad service like Google AdWords or like Bing or like Yahoo, um a malicious ad can be served up an ad that doesn't actually take you where it says it's going to take you and instead hits you with malware. I've seen it happen actually a quite a few times and it's always traced back to this. And usually the web admin of that particular site finds out about it rather quickly, takes actions against that ad service provider. Uh, if the ad service providers on the up and up, they take action against that advertiser you know, it happens. But this is Equifax. They're not running ads on their site. 
So yeah, what? Uh, I yeah, this this makes no sense. Well, it does if you think that when they say third-party vendor, what they probably mean is someone else they bought code from to run on the site. Yeah. But that wouldn't happen if you were using the legitimate source for the code. It would, however, happen if you weren't using a legitimate source for the code. This happened to Senator Orrin Hatch a number of years ago when he was pushing for uh, against digital piracy. And it turned out that he had pirated the software used on his own personal website. That's right. That yeah. was awesome. And it happened because it turns out the downloader he had used pointed to another site to download new code, to download updates, and suddenly his website was hosting malicious files. That's awesome. I forgot about that. So, good job, Equifax. Screwing up again. Well, and it turns out, uh, screwing up in other ways. Their breach has also exposed 10 million U.S. driver license numbers. A lot of people might think, so what? That's not a big deal. But now they've got your height, your eye color, your weight, pictures of what you look like. I mean, there's that's bad. Let me put it this way. Someone suddenly buys a car under your name. That kind of sucks. You get pulled over by a cop because according to their systems, your driver's license currently has outstanding warrants in all 50 states. That sucks on a little bit more immediate level. Yes, it does. You're going to have a bad day. You're, You're about to have, have a few a... bad nights. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I oh, went there. Jeez. Now, I guess on the plus side... um, Oh, well, wait, no, no good news yet. We forgot to mention they also leaked thousands of salary histories. Right, right. Um, we had actually, I, no, no, we had mentioned that they had leaked, um, credit card transactions. Credit card transactions. In the same vein as credit card transactions with salary histories. Yeah. Now, my wife looked at me and said, what does, what does that matter if, you know, salary history? Cause company already, asks you for that but that's that's not good i mean you just enter your social security number and a pin and you're you're good to see everything it's it's not a good thing here i mean if you're trying to negotiate a uh a contract with a company and they can go in and they can see what you've been making you all of a sudden have no position of of leverage. Well, uh, let's put it another way too. Let's say someone's honor, someone steals your identity, because that's so hard to imagine. How do you prove you're you? You really can't anymore. <laughs> if if I have your license and information, if I have your social security number and all information. If I have your salary information and history, your credit card transaction history and information, if I have everything that makes you, you, how do you prove that you I are you? I can't, I can't. My identity is gone. I don't even know who I am anymore. Hashtag hack has happened so many dang times. I mean, unless they, your DNA is on file with somewhere, which it probably wouldn't be unless you were like a, a sex offender or unless your prints are in the system, which they wouldn't be unless you're a felon. 
Oh, no, actually, my prints are in the system because I have a concealed weapons permit. Oh, you're right. So you're right. my, I my guess prints it's a good are thing there. That, I guess it's a good thing that the, uh, the the state of Utah's concealed weapon carry permit system isn't somehow tied to Equifax. Well, I was also going to say I also have my prints on file because I've had government clearance in the past. But that all got leaked when I got hacked in the government office of personnel hack. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got nothing to identify and to prove that I am who I am. There, there's nothing there. Well, evidently the IRS and all its infinite wisdom said dripping with sarcasm has maybe taken note that perhaps Equifax isn't the best people to go to for, um, identity verification. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I kind of <laughs> blanked there. The entire just, concept of identity verification is so laughably absurd right now that I, it, I can't actually say it. I just, I laugh at the thought of that, that, because uh, there is nothing. It's, it's just garbage. We're, we're all screwed. We're doomed, people. Mm hmm. So, um, yeah, they've uh, suspended that contract with Equifax, that $7 million contract, which is really nothing. No. It doesn't hurt Equifax, but it may save us a bit. Uh, yeah, uh, and they say that during the suspension, the IRS is going to continue its review of their Equifax systems and security. It sounds to me like, I mean, this was a no-bid contract. It sounds like they never started reviewing it in the first place. Right, right. So what are they continuing? And the suspension has been taken as, quote, a precautionary step. You think? Come on, man. We're we're better than that. We're smarter than this. Give us mm, some credit. You'd think. Um, let's move on here. Um, let's go into Google. Google announced their little new uh, home minis. We talked about those last week. Yes. Uh, cute little pucks that you can use as kind of mini speakers, mini home assistants, and have immediately nerfed them. See, it turns out that if you tapped the top button... It started recording you and not just recording you, like sending that data back to Google for storage. And there was a slight bug where it just kept recording you 24 seven. So sending. it was always recording. So it basically was a little mini NSA device. Yeah. They've decided to nerf that. Um, it no longer works in the slightest while they work on how to get rid of it. They have permanently removed all top touch functionality. So yeah. now it's a speaker. Yeah, they nerfed it pretty good. Yay. Good job there, I guess. I guess. I, yeah, I hope you didn't buy one hoping for more than just a speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon has pushed a new feature to their Alexa service, um, mainly through the Echo. It now recognizes up to 10 voices. If this was a couple of years ago, we'd be more excited, but Google has had this ability for a while, and even Cortana has it now. This isn't really new, but it's still kind of nice. It allows you to link multiple profiles to it, multiple accounts, and it'll give you personalized responses based on who it is that's asking the question. Now, Schmitty, he's got the Google Home. Mm -hmm. You have a Google Home as well. I have well. a Google Home too, yeah. Um, 
he was he was saying that it's only got six profiles that you can do, whereas with the Alexa, uh, with Alexa will will register with ten devices on the Echo devices. Well, ten yeah. ten voices. I I'm curious, who's got ten people using this? Because I, mean, I have seven. I mean, I have I have myself, my wife, four kids, and now my mom lives with us. So I guess I have seven, but other than that, you'd need like the Duggars or some Quakers. Yeah. Well, and I've got, I, I've got more. I've got with six kids, although two of them don't talk. So I would be right at that six threshold. Emos? <laughs> no, just babies. Yeah. But, same thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um chink but yeah i mean and by the time i would need those other two profiles to be active i'd i'd have those freed up because kids would be moved out but right right um on the personal assistant side cortana is now inside skype on android and ios which is kind of cool also, i don't i don't know about this zook well how so i i know you like cortana i know you're a microsoft fanboy I think Microsoft is killing Skype with all of this additional integration and stuff. They need to just It depends on how you're using it. And I and I say that, you know, ad- admitting that I am a Microsoft fanboy. Uh so I use Skype for business at my day job, right? We use Office 365 and Skype for business is a I really I use it as well. Yeah, it's a really strong tool there. And you are absolutely right if you're looking at it from a consumer standpoint. You are 100% right. However, if you're looking at it from a business standpoint, this is a really cool tool to be able to have a digital assistant built into it. Now, that being said, I don't really believe Microsoft's um, footing in Android and iOS is really secure enough to start bringing out these features. I agree. I agree. But it's not like they're unique in this. Google did the same thing with their assistant when it first launched with Allo. Yes, which, uh, does anyone even use that? No, and no one used the assistant when it was there. So, I mean, this is a cool thing, um, but it's not really a great thing. On a flip side, and, and kind of piggybacking off this and off of news last week, Microsoft did launch their Edge beta for Android. And I have been using that, and it's pretty awesome. It's not quite as fast as the Samsung Internet browser. It's way faster than Chrome, though. Is it? Yeah. Well, and while we're talking Microsoft, they have announced that the Windows Phone is dead. Yeah. They're, they're done with it. Now, I can Which understand. we all kind of knew. Yeah, I mean, the, surprise, spoiler. Um, By the way, they don't make DeLoreans anymore either. I know this may come as a shock to you. Yeah, the the DeLorean line of cars is dead. Uh, But I think that, you know, the way that they were pushing Cortana when they had their own Microsoft phone, it made a ton of sense. I think pushing it into Android the way that Android blocks a lot of that functionality uh, in favor of its own assistant which i totally understand um i think they're i i don't know how strong cortana can be outside of the pc market yeah 
it really kind of depends on how well it, Alexa can integrate with it. Because remember, we talked about in weeks past how Cortana and Alexa were going to start interacting with each other and handing yes. things off. So if that can be a really, really, really strong partnership there, where when you're talking to one, you're basically talking to both, that could be its saving grace in the mobile and smart home workspace. We'll see. I can, I can see that. Yeah, I think time will tell, but... I think part of me wants to say Microsoft was just too late to the game on this one. Yeah, I think their scope may have been too big. They may have been a little bit too ambitious. That makes sense. I, I can go with that. Yeah. Um, let's move off into Facebook again, kind of. Uh, the Oculus Go was announced. Yeah, Facebook had their big Oculus event, which I couldn't give a crap about. Oculus, if you aren't familiar with it, because we haven't talked about it for a while, um, is, of course, their VR headset, originally the Oculus Rift. It was purchased by Facebook for reasons no one truly understands, and they have announced the Oculus Go. Unlike other bits of hardware, this one is entirely self-contained. And it's only 200 bucks. Um... How? I like, think they're probably taking a loss on it. That's my guess. Well, no. Here's the thing. Um, to run an Oculus or a HTC Vive, you need a super, super powerful computer. Don't necessarily need it, but it does make it a lot better. And it makes sense when you're considering that it's a fully immersive VR world that is rendering on the fly. It makes a lot of sense, right? And everything else that isn't that powerful isn't also that good. And I say that as someone who owns the Samsung VR solution, the one that just hooks my phone in there. And I I, I don't know. I don't see this as being a really good idea for the VR world. At the conference that I just, I was just at, um, I spoke with some HP reps and I got to try out their new self-contained VR backpack. Basically had a customized H, uh, HP mini ITC or ITX, excuse me, uh, backpack and it had an HTC Vibe, Vive hooked into it. And you got to walk all around and it was amazing, but it was still a full backpack. It was battery powered. You could run on that thing for like 40 minutes in just pure VR running into everything in the area, but it was really cool. So when Facebook tells me, Hey, look, here's this cool little self-contained thing. It's not even as big as a bike helmet and it only costs $300. I don't really believe you. (laughs) Yeah, I guess, and that's part of why I think they're probably going to be taking a loss on it. I think what they're doing, and I've said this on the show for a while, uh, in fact, as long as I can remember, the cost of VR is what's going to prevent VR from becoming mainstream. Right. It's it's just too prohibitive for too many people. I mean, they also announced their new their new lower-priced um, Oculus Rift and Touch Bundle, at $399. I don't know anybody who's going to go out and spend 400 bucks on that. 
Apple well, fans? That's not true. I do know a few people, but they got more money than sense. Um, and they're tech junkies. And so, but they're not normal people. They're, they're freaks for lack of a better term. And I think that the Oculus Go is trying, I think they're, they've realized this and they're trying to target the normal people. And even if they get in with a subpar experience, they're still in. And then they're going to say, oh, well, this one is so much better than what you've got. We've already got the hook in you. Why don't we upgrade you? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I, I That's how I see this going. I could be totally wrong, but that's kind of what I what I see them doing here with this. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's move into Samsung real briefly. They've announced their uh, uh, their quarterly reports and then dropped a bombshell on us. Samsung, as a company, their profits are up a hundred and ninety. Sorry, one hundred and seventy nine percent from last year. That's that's a well. Last year they had the Note the Note seven issues as well. So true, true. Um, but that's still just a, a very. Even after the Note 7 issues, they were still up in profits. It just simply wasn't by as high a margin. True. That their margin is so high now is kind of amazing. On the tail of that, it turns out um, their CEO and vice chairman are uh, stepping down. Didn't they get? Didn't one of them just get convicted of bribery or something? And uh, no, not one of them. Another one of their higher execs was jailed for bribery. Um, this is kind of surprising because uh, uh, what's his name, Quan Ohun, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, is kind of viewed as they, they call him Mister Chip. He's the head of Samsung's chip division who have been driving all the profits. It's just kind of crazy to me, but so did it give a reason as to why they were stepping down? Um, they think it's time for, this is their official quote that to start anew with new strategy and young leadership. Well, obviously what they are doing is working and I'm a, big proponent of the theory uh, if it ain't broke don't fix it so this move yeah it is a little surprising doesn't make a lot of sense to me but right um, perhaps there's something larger that's coming and they want to s- separate themselves from Samsung if this was a US company I'd say it's because they're worried that there's something in Samsung that'll affect them I think in reality because it's not because Koreans do things a little bit differently um that they're worried that they're about to be arrested or some kind of scandal is going to hit them and they don't want it to affect Samsung. Which, considering the bribery stuff that's going on, that that could make sense. Yeah. Um, in final news, um, it's a two-parter. One, Pirate Bay has just decided they're straight up going to start mining cryptocurrency using your browser. They're not going to ask. They don't care if you find out. As far as they're concerned, it's the price of doing piracy. Um, and if you think that's bad, turns out hackers can actually take your customer data off of T-Mobile's main website. Yeah. This leads into my favorite. <laughs> um, so while I was at this conference, I got to sit there and listen to a gentleman named Kevin Mitnick. 
If you're not familiar with his name... He's he's awesome. He's one of the most prolific hackers of our generation. And he had this really awesome talk, which I wish I could show you the video to, but um, they did, weren't allowed to record it. There are some other keynotes you can find online on YouTube or on his main website. Um, and I'll, I'll link that here in the show notes under my favorite. But he actually had a whole series of computers up on stage. And by the end of his talk, he was able to access pretty much everything from all the computers by pitting them against each other. He was able to get one computer to gain access to another. So those two computers started working on a third and hacking it. And once he had gotten those three, they were able to take over the remaining computers there on stage. And with very little input from him, he was able to unlock all of them. We're talking in the course of 40 minutes with him not even trying. He detailed how you can pull information from nearly anything, how you can walk up to an ATM and pull information from it or gain information about the last person who was there, about how easy it is to get this kind of information from everything around us. And um, I guess the most accurate way of describing the mood in the auditorium was um, dread. <laughs> And heightened anxiety. Like, none of us felt safe after that. So, um, yeah, if you have a chance, research this guy. Research some of his talks. It's enlightening and terrifying all at the same time. It's kind of like finding out that all those things you heard about global warming are not just true. You're going to die in the next five years from it. It's kind of that level of dread. You know, I, I've got a degree in IT security. I think I've said that a time or twelve. Uh, but one of the classes, and I'm I, Japanese, and you are Japanese, and <laughs> but only well, part. While we're talking about obvious things, we've talked about yes. Uh, but one of my classes, I actually had to read some of the books that he wrote, and I think I, I've actually kept them because they were so good. Uh, one of them is called The Art of Deception, mm-hmm. and the other one is called The Art of Intrusion. And there's a lot of stuff talking about social engineering in these and, and just different hacks that he did. And he talks about how he did these without like giving the exact details. And it is fascinating. I, you're right, Zook. You need to check these, this guy out. If you're interested in this stuff, you really want to know who this guy is and, and what he says. Even if you don't want to, even if you're not really interested in it, it still behooves you to figure out how these people think and what information you might be leaving out there. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, my favorite is a little bit less, uh, doom and gloom, although it may, may not be that way. I don't know. Uh, The Last Jedi dropped, uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi dropped another trailer this week. And I'm sure you've all seen it by now. It is freaking epic. You need to check it out. Even if you've watched it over and over again, watch it. Uh, even Ryan Johnson came out and said, forget everything I said about avoiding things. Go and watch it because it's awesome. So did that's you, my favorite. Did you tear up when Leia was shown? Because I did. I did. It, 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 I got a little misty. I... I, I, I'm not even a hundred percent sure exactly what's happening in that scene, but I think I know enough that I became irrationally angry at Kylo Ren. I, I, you know, I've, I've actually watched The Force Awakens twice in the last week, uh, with my kids. 
And even now when I see Leia on the screen there, I, I get a little, I, I have a tender spot in my heart. Indeed. Indeed. She is always our princess. That is our show this week. Let us know how we're doing. Feedback at StolenDroids.com or give us a call 801-917-GEEK. Hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Let us know how we're doing with the site. Um, and until next time, cheers. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.